C'è la luna mezza mare, mamma mia, mamma redare. Set the fear upon the sea, fill your me and bachacha too. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. I can't believe we're into our, going into our fourth season now. It's ridiculous. I don't even know. We're I'm, so far. We are so far ahead. Thank God. Finally, I'm ahead of something. <laughs> 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 but we totally appreciate you listening to us right now. Uh, we can't ask you as much as more than we can. We need more listeners. We need more of your friends. We're getting mail from all over the world, and this show is contributed to you people out there and any questions you want answered. We do an hour a month just trying to please you, find out what you want to hear, what type of shows you want. Give us the request. We'll answer it any way we can, and we thank you for being on the air with us and participating. And we thank you in advance for those five-star reviews that you're going to get. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, we need reviews. We didn't know that. We need more reviews. We're being told by our critics and everyone else that um, the reviews are really important. Yeah, we didn't know that, but we know it now. Okay, let's get to it. All right, let's do it. So first we have a message from Jeannie. Jeannie says, I tossed and turned in bed all night long. I finally got up around 3.30, turned Who on the podcast. Who was she with? I'm sorry? Who was she with? <laughs> We're not going to ask her that. Okay. <laughs> she says, I finally got up around 3.30, turned on your podcast, and jumped in the shower. I literally stopped and shared the second Patrick But David episode on Facebook and sent it to myself. I wanted to wait until a reasonable hour before texting it to everyone I know. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The message from Patrick was outstanding, and I'm going to share it with everyone I can. I loved Gianni's perspective. He's been conditioned for this. Keep up the amazing work. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, he was he was a very good guest. Oh, my God, yeah. He's got a lot to well, say. Well, Pat very, gets very credit for that, too. And you, Megan. We, we asked the right questions, and he answered them. Absolutely. So. Yeah. All right, next one is from Angela, and this one is addressed to me, which is very sweet. Angela says, Megan, I've been listening since the beginning, and wow, you have come a long way. You are finding your voice. It was obvious in the beginning that you were nervous and shy, but you are blooming. I love all of you, and thank you for the stories. I like the blooming. Oh, that's nice. That's very nice. It's always nice to hear something like that. Yeah. Right? It makes this makes this all worthwhile. Not, well, not that this is really work. But it makes it makes <laughs> Right, exactly. It's it really improves one thing, that when Patrick and I thought of the millennium <laughs> we struck all when we got you <laughs> oh yeah oh, well thank you absolutely. thank you just don't ask for a raise i'll tell you what we will <laughs> we'll johnny johnny and we're talking about this we're going to double your salary oh wow right away. that yeah. is uh, i think incredible. you deserve it yeah. she deserves it I, why not quadruple it okay. there you go let's do it <laughs> all right wow oh my goodness all right crazy thank you guys all right, <laughs> all right. next pleasure. one next one is from nigel Nigel says, just wanted to drop a quick message to say that your podcasts are absolutely amazing and that I hope they will continue for a long time. I really hope this can develop into more media in the future, maybe a YouTube channel with some discussions or chat show with Megan, Patrick, and guests. I'm very interested in the history behind Italian-American mafia, and I therefore love your amazing stories delivered in your weekly podcasts. He goes on to say, I have a lot of good friends here in Gibraltar oh, whose wow. surnames are Russo. It's very common to find Italian surnames here in Gibraltar as a lot of them immigrated from Italy many, many years ago. Have you ever been or heard of Gibraltar? I know of it. I've never been. 
but I may yeah, go I, now. Yeah, I know of it too. I, that's one of the few places you haven't been. I mean, you're a world traveler, Jim. Yeah. yeah. I never terrible. had a reason to go, actually. Gibraltar. You know, I always, when I was younger, I always used to see pictures of it. It was a huge mountain. When, when I was a kid, I thought that was the entire country. And I, I said to myself, well, how do they land planes on that mountain? You know, it's very <laughs> difficult. But then, but then I wised up, you know, I got a little older. You mean called, they call that the Rock of Gibraltar? There you go. Hello. It's a huge rock. That's what I thought it was. What do I know? There you go. But thank but you, I, I'm Nigel. sorry if I insulted anyone. Thank you, Nigel. Is right. Thank you. Gibraltans, if that's what you want. I probably just insulted somebody by saying that. Right? You might have. Sorry. You might have. Right. But thank you, Nigel, for your message. Next one is from Daniel. Daniel says, Gianni, did you know Danny Aiello? If yeah, so, very much stories? so. Yeah. I like Danny Aiello. I, I knew Danny Aiello like nobody else knew him when he was a UPS driver and a bouncer at the Columbus Club on the west side, and then he became an actor later on in life. And then uh, and Danny Aiello, to me, was he just passed on, unfortunately. Yeah, 83. Yeah. In fact, he his, seemed like, you know, when he acted, he seemed like it was just natural for him. It didn't seem... Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you know he, he studied acting... movie that he was in, it probably uh, the only one who saw it was a movie called Once Around. Yeah, you probably were the one... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was an independent movie, and 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 he uh, he he sang in it. Uh, he sang. Uh, oh, he wanted that's. Oh, that was toward the end of his career. It was. No, no. This was about twenty, at least twenty years ago. Really? He sang. He sang "Fly Me to the Moon" uh, oh to God. his to, to his daughter. But oh. it was it was a great movie. Should you anybody out there happen to find it somewhere along? I don't even think it's on Netflix. But every now and then. It's on television. Very good. But I, What's his, around is cool. His, his oldest son, who passed on, unfortunately, used to be my stunt double when I was doing television work. Really? Yeah, he was an oh, actor, wow. too, young kid, yeah. But he passed on so early. And that, that really bothered him. And, I mean, I should bother uh, Danny and his wife. But as Danny got on in his career with, with like, you know, Moonstruck and stuff like that, the, the movies... It really affected him, and he thought he was better singer than Sinatra as years went on. And he's a good saying, singer. He could sing, but I mean, come on, not yeah. better than Sinatra. No, not better than Sinatra. He's a good singer, yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying that. Uh, so I changed his name one night, and I said it by mistake on stage, but it wasn't a by, by mistake. We were doing a show for Augie Renner, one of the major hosts in casino business, and it was his 40th year. And I introduced him as Danny Aigo. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's funny. And he yeah, said he to me, you did that deliberately. I said, you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Really? Who, me? No. Good guy, though. Really a nice man. Great. All right. Next one is from Mike. Mike says, I recently heard about your podcast while you were on an episode of Man Cow, and I was blown away with your wealth of knowledge, Mr. Russo. I'm in the process of going back and listening to your previous episodes, so forgive me if you've already answered this question, but what was your opinion of The Sopranos? How accurate do you feel the show portrayed the mafia, and do you have any good stories from the series? Thank you so much, and I love The Rockford Files, by the way. Oh, that's great. But it's funny. First of all, we have to give a shout-out to Mancow. This guy has promoted us, and for, you, for the people who don't know him, he's like the Howard Stern of Chicago in the Midwest. This guy has an audience you can't believe. And I do a show at least once a month. And I'm when I'm in Chicago, I co-host it every morning. Well, I'm oh nice, yeah. And he's been, uh, he's 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 really helped. In fact, uh, 
One time you were on there, that day we sold 12,000 books. Yeah, that day. I mean, oh my gosh. 12,000 yeah. books. Yeah. So it's that legit. No, I mean, he's an amazing guy. And he yeah. just called me, he just called me the other day. He wants me to, he wants to go on vacation and me take over his show. And they offered me a lot of money, but I, I don't know how to do a radio show for three hours a day. You're doing one now, buddy. Of course you would. <laughs> but I mean, that's all I'd live. That phone ins, I mean. Yeah. You could do that easily. Oh, you could do it standing on your head. I don't know. Anyway. You could do I that. I turned it don't down. That's too much work. Yourself. And if you want a couple of phone and co-hosts, I know two people. Okay. There you go. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Here we are. Well, the, well, the three of us maybe should go co-host, and I'll split the money with you. Think about it. No, I, Let's I think do you, it. That would make it easier. I think you do very well. I really do. Okay. Yeah, well, I think so, too. Maybe a good way to do it. Well, who, who knows? We, we may have a bigger offer on the table of going to a major network. Mm -hmm. well, that we spoke about this morning. Do we right. let the cat out of the proverbial bag? We'll keep it a secret. No, 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 no. We'll we'll keep, I we'll think that's a jinx rest. when you All do right. that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how about the question? What do you? What was your opinion of the? Sopranos? I never saw the Sopranos. I was offered the script early on by Mister. What was his name? Uh, he wrote, he wrote a movie. David Chase. He wrote a movie for me years ago when they were doing the movies. A movie to weeks. And he yeah. uh, wrote a movie called The Dwarf in the Helium Hat. David Chase wrote it. I starred in it. And it was a 90-minute movie. And when he had the script, The Sopranos, they sent it to me. And I, he called me about a week later. He said, you never got back to me about that script. He said, did you read it? I said, I, I didn't go past the first three pages. He said, why? I said, this guy's the mob boss of New Jersey. He said, yeah. I said, well... I know a lot of mob bosses. He said, I know you do. I said, I don't know one of them that would come down his driveway in his robe to get his own paper in the morning. The next <laughs> morning he'd be shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't seem very realistic to oh you. Oh my no. God, no way. And cursing. Forget the shrink part. But not only that, you know what bothered me most? I watched one opening and his kids, his daughter and son, I think he had, and his wife, they're cursing. And, he, and, they, and they, you ever came to... A table in the morning in our house, in your underwear, in front of your sister and your mother. It yeah. would never happen. I he, know. Never. He portrayed us like Gavones. Mm. That's not complimentary for those of you mm -hmm. who don't speak Italian. Doesn't sound like You who yeah. are Yiddish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, next a, one. Lots of oh, respect in Italian families. You know, I was just thinking about when, when you mentioned that. Never once in my entire life that I utter a curse word in front of my mother. Ever. No. That's Never. what I'm saying. Your mother, your grandma, anybody. And come yeah. to the table in your shorts and a, a guinea t-shirt on, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, God. next. We all right. get ourselves in trouble here. Here we go. Next one is from Gina. Gina says, with all of these roles you've had in both film and television, Gianni, did you ever formally audition for anything, or were you always approached about these roles? No, I mean, a lot of directors wanted to see you in the role. I like that challenge. Uh, you know, it's so funny, because we, we talked about Danny Aiello, and another guy who entered the business later on in life, he was a, a Chicago police officer, and then when he retired, he, he became a great actor, actually. And I knew him just being on the job in Chicago. And uh, unfortunately, he died, Dennis Farina. But Dennis Farina had a big career 
in 40 and when he was 40s and 50s in his life. He never acted before that. And he, no. he, he broke out in this TV series called Vegas. No, police story. Uh, no, he was in Vegas. Robert Urich was in Vegas. No, no, excuse me. He was in Vegas. He was in Vegas? Yes, he opened it. That was his first TV series. What, who did he play? He played the lead cop. He did? Yeah. Okay, I thought it was Robert Urich. Robert Urich wasn't even in Vegas. Okay, I got the, you know, yeah. I'm confused. Okay, yeah. anyway, yeah, he was a great actor. He went on to uh, yeah. be in uh, uh, Law and Order for a few years. He was good. Yeah, he beat me out in a couple of big roles for movies. We were, we were the last. He did the movie that I really wanted to do that uh, Barry Levinson directed, and uh, De Niro was in it, and then... Uh, um, Cher, who was a bounty hunter, remember? What was it called? Uh, uh, oh, my God. Midnight Run? Oh, Midnight Run, yeah. Big movie. Yeah. And I, we were down to the wire, and he got it. Wow. So, so you have auditioned for movies? Oh, yeah. A lot of directors, to answer our question, a lot of directors don't care what you've done. If it's a new character, they want to see it. And I like doing it, but what was I doing anyway? Yeah. Hmm. All right, next one is from Zachary. Zachary says, really enjoy your podcast. I've listened to nearly every episode. I was wondering if you maintained a relationship with Francis Ford Coppola over the years and what you think of his other films. I particularly am a fan of Tetro, and I think that came out around 2007. Hope this finds you in Joyful Spirits. Enjoyable Spirits? Yeah, oh. Joyful Spirits. I'm going to have a martini. I'll be really into spirit. Uh, <laughs> we, we don't drink before the show. Anyway. No, we right. don't do that. That's bad. Yeah. Of course not. But I, 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 you know, my relationship with Coppola, I never had one. Because, you know, when we did Godfather 1, that was the only time I worked with him. I did one scene at the end. But Coppola was a, a, an interesting guy at that time when we did 1 because he was under such pressure from the studio being fired. He just let us do what we wanted to do. And he heard a rumor about me that I was connected to the mob, so he wouldn't even talk to me. <laughs> really? Like, well, he was afraid? I guess it was just the whole way I got the part, and they told okay. me, Johnny Russo's playing Carlo, don't even question it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then he, yeah, Johnny who? Yeah, he's got yeah, the part. Don't yeah, ask exactly, the Johnny who. But, yeah. uh, and then he, he, he fought for Pacino, fortunately. Yeah. Because they wanted, uh, Bobby Evans wanted James Caan as Michael. And then Jimmy carried a grudge through the whole movie because Sonny was the smaller part. He was the first one killed, never got to do two, which... Uh, Not only that, there was so much range with Michael. Oh, my God. Forget the size of the part. I mean, it's uh, Sonny uh, was Sonny. He was angry from the start. And that's he what he is. He died. Yeah, right. And then he's one-dimensional. That's real. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Carden really now have a great career. Look at him. I mean, I don't know when he did his last great movie. But I, I'm, I'm trying to think. I can't think of what it was. I only know him from Elf. <laughs> I love that. That was a serious entire career. I hope, I hope he's listening to the show. And that's what she remembered. No, he, did, he did a movie in the 80s called Heist. The heist, uh, yeah, which was which was which was really good. It was like a film noir type of thing, right? Yeah, but uh, he generally plays the same part, yeah. except for Elf. Yeah, know? yeah. You have to remember what year I was born. Elf okay. was the only thing I knew James Caan from for a <laughs> okay. long time. Okay, we forgive you. That's all right. Thanks. 
All right, next one is from Maria. Maria says, Gianni, this may be a bit personal and you don't have to answer specifically, but have there ever been any lady celebrities who have hit on you that we would be surprised about? Yeah, a lot of them, actually. <laughs> Older ones. One being, one being Zsa Zsa Gabor. Another mm -hmm. one uh, who I really liked. In, uh, in fact, she was married to, if my memory serves me right, to uh, Tony Francioso. And after that, she bloomed up and got very heavy. Uh, her name is Angie Dickinson. <laughs> you know, I just saw her interviewed on the Sunday morning show. She's in her 80s now. Right. Uh, and she, she uh, does the whole interview playing cards with herself. Oh, my what? God. S Sunday morning. You ever watch Sunday morning? No. Well, it's, I don't get up in Sunday. Interestingly enough, How about this? I don't see anything in any morning. Not Sunday morning, not Monday morning. Okay, well, it's, it's I get up at noon. for like 40 years, <laughs> literally. And they, they have these uh, stars, you know, you, you wonder what they're doing, that type of thing. Right. So I believe she's 84, and she's got uh, quite an attitude to it. But she's she's playing with cards during the entire interview. Well, that's wild. Solitaire, How cards interesting. Out. Yeah, but I tell you, she's sharp as a tack. I mean, she... She, oh, she talks about her various love affairs and. Uh, oh, she has some great. You, you love can affairs. tell who, who she was. She was one of those beautiful women I've ever seen. When oh my she was, Well, you uh, know what? what, what youth, well, I spent announced. I spent a lot of time with her because the uh, the Rat Pack had their mascots. They called them, and she was one of them. Who else? Who were the others? Uh, Judy Garland, Ava Gardner, Julia Proust. I mean. And they would they'd come and hang out. Because, you know, the proximity of Vegas to California was a half-hour flight. So on the weekends, they'd all come to Vegas, especially yeah. when the mob ran it, because they wanted them there, and they comped everything. At party time. Not only that, and they'd leave it like $1,000 worth of chips on their dresser in their room, yeah. and they're not allowed to do that. But they just, I don't know who left it there. Maybe they played before. Some yeah. some people took it. Some people started gambling and ruined their careers, like Victor Moan. <laughs> yeah, got the fever. Yeah. Okay. Next. All right. Next one is from Tina. This one is for me. Tina says, "Megan, you seem to really be able to hold your own during these episodes, which is particularly admirable, seeing as you are significantly younger than your two co-hosts." Oh, hold, hold it now. At least, <laughs> at least <laughs> ten years. <laughs> I could be a grandfather. Who is this person? <laughs> Come Tina. on, can't somebody be nice to me? Uh, you are not, they're nice to you, I'm glad. No, I'm no, it's just that word significant. I mean, All right. Significant. Only a couple about, years. You're, you're about 43, right? Who, me? Close. No, her. Close hey, enough. Oh, her. Oh. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, I'll be just wanting, you know, nail I'm down. about 50 years older than her. And yeah. my mom. Yeah. No, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Significantly younger than two co-hosts, the only female, and are also experienced when it comes to the topics of discussion. How do you find your experience working with Gianni and Patrick? Hmm. Let's hear the question. Answer. Be nice. Obviously, my knowledge and experience is not the same. Um, but I find working with these two to be so much fun and also such a learning opportunity. I mean, you can all tell how funny these two guys are. So it's half the time I don't even feel the age difference because we all kind of have that same sarcastic sense of humor. So, yeah, it's definitely, it's fun. So, in other words, she could be my illegitimate granddaughter. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> 
But I'm, I know. I'm trying to do the math on that one. No, but I'm just anyway, saying, but and I don't mean to insult Gretchen. <laughs> that's her mother. <laughs> of course not. Yeah, that's my mom. Perfect. Next. So, yes. All right. Next one is from Daniel. Daniel says, Gianni, do you have stories about filming the ending flashback scene in The Godfather 2? Oh, yeah. I was there for one day, and I got paid the same amount of money for three months for that one day. And it was just all home week to be on that set again, and now here are the accolades of this film. It's such a great film. And to be a part of that... Except for Brando, who wasn't there. No, Brando won the million dollars to show up. So Jimmy Conn went in the hallway to do his Brando impersonation. <laughs> and the, that is and so the studio funny. saved the million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next. Let me add something to that. From in, David. In, in, oh, I'm sorry. And let me add something to that. It's so Go funny. Ahead. In Godfather 2, where we did that scene, it was a flashback from when Jimmy Conn introduced me to his sister. Did you remember, you know that? Yeah. That's when, you know, he said, Connie, go show Carlo the tree. Yeah. And everybody talks about that one stupid scene from that one thing I did in the movie. <laughs> like I did the whole thing. I did nothing. It was that one, I was there for maybe a half a day. That's funny. How many takes? Oh, not not a lot. About four or five takes. Yeah. It was all that lived, the cake and the, it was yeah. supposed to be a party anyway, so. Yeah. All right. Next, we have from David. David says, Gianni and Patrick, do either of you have any stories about the mafia in Philadelphia? A couple of my aunts were nuns and teachers back in the day and supposedly had a couple would-be mobsters in their elementary school classes. I'm curious as to what you would know. Uh, how old is uh, Nicky Scarfo? I mean, how many guys you want to know? Grammar school, when? In the 70s? No, she just wants to know if you have any stories about the Philadelphia mob. No, they're still very much uh, in a line with some of my friends. All right. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. Especially, I'll be, Next one. I'll be oh. appearing there soon in a casino. You'll be doing what? Appearing in Philadelphia in a casino. Are you going to come visit me? I think your father's arranged it. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Next one is from Joseph. Joseph says, Gianni and Patrick, in your opinion, who do you think was the most ruthless mobster in the world? Wow. Greg Scarpa was up there. Oh, okay. They didn't call him the Grim Reaper for nothing. This guy was this guy was brutal to himself. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. he, he, he got his eyes shot out and poured a bottle of whiskey on him. Right. No, but the thing to me, I mean, the guy was—he—he uh, he, he would kill anybody. He was brutal. He was nasty. Yeah, but I—I I, I don't, you know, I don't—I don't even, I can't even say to me, to honestly, with the mobsters I know, I would put him in the same category as them. This guy was a, a, a crude killer. Yeah. But I'm talking about, I mean, I think of mobsters like Carlo Gambino and. and oh, the the, the, the upper echelon. Yeah, that street thug. Yeah. There's so many of them. Yeah, he was a captain, but uh, he was a yeah. crazy captain. That guy was just nuts. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's my answer. I don't know any uh, really mob bosses that were gruesome and cruel. Hmm. Street thugs, yeah. I know. They, they were, they were what all, was they, that? They were all warm and cuddly. Right. Oh, of course. Yeah. All right, next is from Mario. Mario says, Gianni, what was your favorite television series you ever worked on? Oh, I had two. I loved the Roxford Files. 
I really loved the Rockford Files. And then I did a TV series called Wise Guy, where um, the, uh, Steel Graves, uh, we were Steel Grave brothers, and the guy, who, Ray Sharkey, was my brother in it. And we, we did six episodes, the beginning episodes. It was fun to do. We shot it up in Canada, and uh, mm. then Ray died. You know, that's why they didn't call oh. Goodfellas Wise Guy, because they didn't want to confuse it with the television show. Right. So that's why they called it Goodfellas. Right. Oh, right. I yeah. remember you mentioned that. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Next is from Leah. Gianni and Patrick, I'm so thrilled to hear both of you speak of the success of Hollywood Godfather, my life in the movies and the mob. I feel as though I have such a personal connection to you guys having listened to you every week. Question. In how many countries was the book published? Seven. I, it's in seven right now. That's I impressive. Think, yeah, I, I just can't imagine a couple of couple of readers uh, hovered around the old fireplace in Pakistan reading our book, though. <laughs> just doesn't. It is interesting to think about how far it spans. But I tell you, the, the the mafia has this allure. I don't care where you go in the world. Right. You know, uh, oh, you come from New York. You're very oh, tired. Yeah. You know, how many people have you killed? You know, I, 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 I'm, I was, I'm interested now. Way. Well, I I heard somebody's feelings once. You know, but. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we don't get involved in that. No, but I, I'm I'm interested now as these we're getting closer to our release date in the soft cover. Which was that? It's uh, uh, they they said they picked this date for me because of my superstition with numbers. It's July 11, 7 11, which happens to be which happens to be also my grandson's Luciano's birthday. So happy birthday oh, to Luciano! So nice. Yeah. So that, yeah, so he's uh, that's when it comes out, and oh, that's great. supposedly they're printing a million copies of them. Really, a million. Uh, that's impressive. That's yeah. a large number. And this isn't by the, by the way. This isn't a trade uh, a a uh, regular paperback. This is a trade paperback. Right. Which for those of you who don't know what that is, it's the same size as a hardcover, only with a soft cover. Right. So they, they don't do that very okay. often. They usually put it out in what's known as a mass market paperback that you see on uh, stands in a supermarket, et cetera. Right. Not this. This would be sold in bookstores. Everywhere. Uh, wherever. Amazon. And, and newsstands. What? Wow, that's great. And the newsstands. 900, yeah. 978 Hudson News and 89 airports Hudson News. In other words, if anybody asks you where they can buy the book, everywhere. Yep. Anywhere and everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right, next is from Linda. Gianni, your wardrobe is obviously very impressive. I'm so curious, what does your loungewear look like? I can't imagine you ever sporting a typical sweatshirt or T-shirt. Well, you're right. <laughs> I you once know told me, Gianni, that you never owned a T-shirt in your life. No, I don't, I don't like them. Yeah. But the interesting thing about, and, and, and Megan comes to my house a lot, I, I, I have a tendency of wearing a lot of kimono-type things. I like my, my apartment's basically Asian, but uh, so I wear Mandarin, not sweat things. It's too hot to begin with. I wear the only, I I do have one great sweatsuit, though, my Gucci sweatsuit. Naturally, That's, of course, yeah, it's yeah, a well, Gucci sweatsuit. Saying, yeah. No, but I'm not. I don't like heavy clothes to begin with. Right, but you you look comfortable, but you look also well dressed at the same time. Well, yeah, that's, thank you. In your loungewear. That's that's the look he's going for. That's, that's it. the goal. Okay. But thank you, All right. whoever that was. Yeah. Next one is from Robert. Robert says, Johnny, did you ever interact with Jimmy Hoffa? 
If so, what was he like? Do you have any stories you can share? I have a lot of stories. I never interacted with him, but uh, we obviously everybody knows of him. And um, nope, I knew that he found God in prison, and that was his demise. So they got him out, so they didn't kill him, because <laughs> he was trying oh. to disclose Frank Fitzsimmons and the whole organization of organized crime that put out $500 million of the pension fund that all the Teamsters are paying into. And if these loans fail, they have no pension. Hmm. That's why he had to go. Yeah. All right, next is from Walter. Walter says, Patrick, what do you think is the most realistic police show on television? Looking for something new to watch. Without a doubt, Bosch. And people are saying, who? Yeah. On, uh, I believe it's on Showtime. No, it's on Prime. Amazon Amazon Prime has a series called Bosch. It's based on a, a series of uh, books by Michael Connolly. And the uh, lead uh, detective, the protagonist, is an L.A. detective named Harry Bosch. And let me tell you, it's, uh, uh, Connolly, who, who I know, I've met him a few times, very successful author, all his books are, uh, are bestsellers. He was on the uh, Crime Beat as a reporter for years in L.A. He knows his cops. And, in fact, the sixth season is on now. There's six seasons on, on Prime, if you belong to Amazon Prime. Really realistic without being boring. I mean, uh, because if you start to put in realism in police work on television, it gets tedious. Not this. This is extremely well written, very well acted, and I highly recommend it. It's called Bosch. B-O-S-C-H. You know the only reason I would never watch it? Was that? I don't, I, to me, I, I don't, police business in California, <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> Arresting well, actors out of work? I mean, what? No, no this, is the, this is the LAPD, but they go through the, 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 they go through corruption involved in the department. They do everything. There's no, the, uh, these guys aren't heroes. Let's put it that way. This is, the, mm. the, you have to watch this. Anybody who's listening that's interested, trust me on this. This is realistic police work. Well, for you to say it, it must be. Yeah, it's it's good. It's got the human side. It's a, it's a, it's a character-driven show. It's really good. All right. I love police procedural type shows. Well, have you, have you seen this, Megan? No, I've never heard of it. I don't have Amazon Prime. But oh, you don't have Prime? Well, no, unfortunately. Get it, but it sounds good. It's yeah. Very good. Yeah. Next is from Michael. Gianni, I was recently looking through your credits on IMDb and noticed a section where you were credited for writing a TV movie called PCH in 1995 and a film called For Which He Stands in 1996. What were those experiences like writing for the screen? Well, it was the first time I did it, and I really liked it. And uh, what most people don't know, at that same time, I wrote a TV series for children called AJ's Time Travelers, and I won the Educational Award, and it was on Fox Children's Network, and I maintained a, a 4.7 after school, which is like unheard of. So I, I, I don't know how I did it, why I did it, but I had fun with both PCH. It was about a, a, a millionaire guy who I played who built a townhouse con uh, complex at, on the beach. And the, the marine affair would only allow me to build it if I gave 10 apartments to students at Pacific Coast Highway 
I mean, oh. and that's what it was PCH, and it was supposed to be Pepperdine. I couldn't use Pepperdine; wouldn't let me use the name. But I discovered a, a couple of great actors, actually, Casper Van Diem, who was Robert Mitchum's grandson, and a woman that you'll all know, Denise Richards. Oh, in fact, she still owes me a film, and I had. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck I, I signed up for two films. But She's anyway, a real housewife now. Yeah, with the housewives, I know. But the interesting thing, later on, she moved into my building when she was going out with uh, Sean Penn, I think. Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen, that's it. Yeah, they moved in. Mm. He lived in 10580 Wilshire Boulevard, where I had a condo there when I didn't want to drive home. But, uh, and I, I was, PCH you'll like too, because Sybil Shepherd's in it. Um, who, well, a lot of great people. But it was fun writing. It was on the beach every day, Pacific Coast Highway. It was a fun. That's thing. great. I'll and, have to find that. And, and my watch it. my little son Luciano was four years old. He made his acting debut. Oh no! Played a hitman, right? No, no. He played <laughs> he played a, a student that came back to school, who had a child out of wedlock, and our family sent to the PCH. And she had this little boy with her, and that was my yeah. kid. Oh, how cute. Oh, it was so much fun. Did, yeah. did he go on to do any other acting? No, he's a, I mean, he's an heir. They, they uh, This kid's got no, no no need for money. And is, he just did it for the fun then as a kid. He wanted to come to work with Daddy, so that's what yeah. that was about. Oh, cool. that's nice. Sweet. Next is from Harry. Harry says, I've never been to New York City, but I've been watching the news a lot regarding the coronavirus, and I'm impressed with the resiliency of New Yorkers during this tragic period. Johnny and Pat, do you have any really unique New York stories you can tell? Well, I, I've got a couple. Wow. If, if, if you'll allow me to go first on this before I forget. Please. Oh, no, do it. T two stories. Uh, there was a woman in uh, New York. She was infamous. She used to walk dogs. Her name was Ruthie. And Ruthie had a thing for cops uniform cops and what she would do is be walking down the street she was all over the city i don't know where she lived but you'd find her on uh, downtown uptown everywhere and she'd go up to a cop and she was a very nondescript woman and you wouldn't even know she was there until she grabbed you by the testicles oh my god in uniform and let me tell you something she this wasn't a love pat this was a twist this what? hurt so how i met her i hope you were arrested her when she did that to you no 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 she was untouchable <laughs> She, what do you mean untouchable? Nobody locked her up. She was like the uh, she, she was like the NYPD mascot. And I'm talking for 30 years. Well, she I did that to job. me. I'd lock her up. A citizen's arrest. Nobody locked her up. I would have. I, I, I came on the job when the police academy was on East 20th Street, uh, between 2nd and 3rd. And the, the, the gym was on the ground floor. And in the summer, there was no air conditioning in the gym. So they opened up the doors. I, didn't, I never heard of Ruthie. Didn't know who the hell she was. And there's about 40, 50 recruits in the gym, and we're doing our thing. And there's cops there that are, are instructors. And in marches this woman. She had to be 55, 60, with these two mangy dogs on, on leashes. Now, the bosses or the, the cops that were in, uh, instructing us knew what was coming, but the recruits didn't know. So she walks right up to me. I don't know who the hell she was. And why is she in a police gymnasium with two dogs? Nobody challenged her because everybody knew her except the recruits. And she grabs me by the testicles. And let me tell you something. I still feel it to this day. I mean, wow. tears. And I went, I practically went down on, on the ground. And then she started chasing everybody. 
<laughs> and then she, she she left the building. Nobody bothered her. Okay. No, but I know what, why, why would they bother? That that's disturbing they never, to me. They never bothered her. It was a big joke for the cops who didn't know who she was. It was a just laughs. Now here's a real New York story. After my father died, and I'll never forget this. Uh, I was living on Lower East Side, and I had friends in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Which is right over the bridge. You can walk there. Yeah. You know, and to save over the Williamsburg uh, Bridge. <laughs> yeah, to save to save train fare. I mean, I was a fourteen years old. I didn't have that. Yeah. So uh, I walk over the bridge a couple of times a week, and I remember once I went and I was inside my friend's house, and when I got out, it was a friggin' blizzard, but I, I had no way of getting back but to walk, and I'm walking over the bridge, and it was I mean it was snowing sideways. It was bad, and I hear a saxophone. Guy playing a, a an out it was an alto sax at the time. Uh, he changed instruments, but uh, he was on the walkway, and it was it was Sonny Rollins. You know Sonny Rollins? Yeah, was, hello. Okay, he's ninety now. Why Sonny was he Rollins, out in this? Why was he out in the snow? I don't know who that is. Let me cut. Sonny Rollins is arguably the most talented sax player. He went on to a, oh yeah, a, a major sax. major guy. A okay. oh, major guy. When you name an award. And I'll tell you this: If anybody's interested, go to go to YouTube and put in "saxophone colossus," which was a video he did. You'll need a Valium after watching that video. I don't know how the hell he got through this without having a stroke. That said, he's he's on the walkway of the Williamsburg Bridge, and I stopped and I talked to him, and he says, "I live on 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 Grant Street, and I want to play my sax. Practice. We practice every day." And I don't want to bother anybody, so I come here. So but, we, we bullshitted a while. No, but I mean, it was like five well, degrees out there. But wasn't the storm happening at that time? Storm was happening. He was on that bridge literally every day that he had that Grand Street apartment. For, oh. And I'm not exaggerating, 12 to 16 hours a day playing wow. at sax. Oh and God. I saw him numerous times after that. I just was, you know, I think about him. I've got all his, his albums. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a phenom. 90, still playing. Jeez. But that's, that's my other New York story. Who the hell does that? The Rain, snow, sleet, is... no matter what season it was, he was on that bridge every day. Wow. While he wow. lived in that apartment. He wasn't that famous then. But wow. uh, he was he was pretty well known, but not, not what he is. He's an icon now. Yeah. That's amazing. Those are some interesting stories. The first one, very strange. Right. Yeah, Ruthie. Yeah. Every cop in the city. How do you top age, that? I have, I have no strange stories after these two. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, what? Anybody ask me about two unique New York stories or interesting stories, tourists or whatever, I always go to those. Oh, my God. I'm still feeling Ruthie, man. She oh, was, my God. Oh. She was brutal. Thanks. Johnny, no? No. Nothing I'm to not, compare? I'm, All right. No. I can't top that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then I have this? a different question for you. This one is from Mark. Mark says, Johnny, what have been your most memorable talk show experiences? Oh, I love doing Merv Griffin. I did 23 Merv Griffin shows. Oh, my gosh. And I was always outspoken. That's the only reason I did it. I, I created controversy. But Merv Griffin uh. liked egging me on. And for me, as a young actor, to do that many Merv Griffin shows was insane. But the, the funniest show was Jack Sheldon, who was the trumpet player and the leader of the band. On If anybody watched the show, they knew who Jack Sheldon was. And... Uh, Charo was on the show. So she was the guest, obviously, the first guest came out, and I was the second guest. 
So he says to me, oh, you were backstage with Charles' sister. I says, yeah, so what? He says, oh, Jack, he's backstage with Charles' sister. I really was. She was there. So I said, what are you making a big deal of this for? He says, what are you kidding? Charles' sister. I says, she's nothing to talk about. She's not pretty. Charo jumped up and trying to give me a beating. On That's camera. On camera. What you mean? My sister. All the, all the, if, coochie, for those coochie. of you who don't know who Charo was, she was a real hot Latin. Yeah. She was married to a coochie, coochie, uh, named Cougar. He was like 87 and she was 22. Yeah. I mean, the age difference was phenomenal. She, she's still around. I saw her interview. I know, she's still she around. But she made she almost gave me a beating. I mean, I, I, I grabbed <laughs> oh the wrist. Goodness. And I'd snap him in two minutes. He didn't stop. But it was craziness. How about that guy in the witness protection program we have in the book? Oh, my God. Victor, Vincent Teresa. That's a good story. That's man. a great story. On the Merv Griffin show. So now they did a, 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 the theme was motion picture tough guys. They had Robbie Conrad, Jimmy Kahn, somebody else and me. And they had Vincent Teresa, who just turned federal informant and they had him in the screen and he just saw his shadow and FBI agents watching him in the cage. So I'm the last one out and I come out and I'm laughing. So Merv said, what are you laughing at? I said, you don't realize I just became the highest paid guest ever on television. What are you talking like you're doing right now, mate? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so Jimmy caught all of them and said, what are you even talking about? I said, don't you realize the New York mob has a $500,000 hit on Vincent Teresa? I just called him and told him where he is. <laughs> uh, well, and not, but not only that, the FBI and everybody blanketed him, got him off stage. These shows are taped. That show wasn't coming out in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> the FBI has no sense of humor. No. At all. And, and, at all. But Merv Griffin was rolling on the floor to see the, <laughs> the way they reacted. And those guys, you know, Conrad and all that, I stole this, all the thunder out of them. I was the last one on because that's how you go protocol of, of your rank of celebrity. But every time I was on that show, I got them crazy. I kept doing the shows. Why not? Oh, that's so funny. All right, next one is from Jerry. Gianni and Patrick, I have heard you say times before how you wrote Hollywood Godfather over the phone. I can barely even wrap my head around that. How did that process even begin? Because well, Pat's a genius. I had to introduce myself. <laughs> they had no idea who the hell I was. I mean, I know who he was. This is an iconic movie. I mean, you know, I'm not going to that. But I had to talk him into us being able to do this on the phone. And I never asked you this, Gianni, but you must have thought I was crazy. No, I really liked the idea because I didn't want to get dressed and go sit in a room and meet you anywhere. Not so only we, that, it was a hell of a commute. I'm in Pittsburgh. Yeah, hello. <laughs> no, right. but, so to me, that was perfect. I said, let's do it any day after 12 o'clock. And we did. Yeah, we had a set schedule. And in right. fact, it was it was 7.30 at night. Right. And I, at, at, at the tone of 7.30, I would call him. Because you have to keep to the schedule. If you don't, things start to go. Yeah backwards you know you have to keep to the schedule and we would talk sometimes it would be an hour sometimes it would be a lot longer than that right and i don't i don't record anything uh because the people that i'm dealing with generally don't like to be recorded for posterity so i take notes and i would just take notes and then 
I would write a chapter, uh, a, a rough outline of a chapter, and then I would give it to Gianni to correct my mistakes because I didn't live this. So I would make mistakes when I was writing and he would correct it. And then we would have one chapter out of the way. Then we'd go to second chapter, third chapter, and so on. We wrote that entire book in like three and a half months, right? Right. That's but every amazing. day, five days a week, we took weekends off. We had a schedule. Right. And for anybody contemplating doing this, that's the secret. And talk to somebody that you get along with. Oh, yeah. I'll that, that's please. Very, very important. You know? No, he, because he, this, he this is a creative me. process. And creative minds get together. There's usually friction. We didn't have, to this day, we never had one harsh word. No. Freaking years. No, not one. No. That's great. But that's how we did it. Yeah. Why so, schedule? When the phone rang at seven thirty, you know who it was. It worked perfect for me. It worked perfect. And it, it definitely worked out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The proof is in the book, not the pudding. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm gonna quote you on that in the next book. Okay. <laughs> All right. Moving on, we have from Linda. Kiana, you seem like a pretty fearless guy who doesn't get worked up about things easily. Has there ever been an instance where you were actually nervous or scared of something that didn't involve your life being threatened? For example, meeting someone important, showing up to a set for the first time, etc. No. Good question. No. And no. <laughs> I don't get right. shit. No. I mean, Maybe after the first time you were on the Godfather set with all these actors, you never acted a day in your life, you weren't nervous. What for? What do I care? I don't know. I'm asking you. I don't know. No. <laughs> to me, after you know, I, I have a, a strange. I, I get this question all the time, asking me, "Do I, do I ever miss anything?" Do I? Ever, after I survived the polio ward for five years, that crazy life, nothing could face me. If that I walked sense. out of there, yeah. yeah, I think that definitely. And yeah. survived. That's it. Mm. No, right. here we are going through another quarantine. You know. I'm the only person who can say it. 70 years later. Here's another quarantine. At least this time I'm not in a mental institution. At least I can go out and take a walk. Right. <laughs> well, and wrap up another great show of the mailbag. We all appreciate all your input. Now we're finding out we need you to rate us and give us great five-star ratings if it's possible. If you like the show, we want to stay on. So until next week, God bless you all from Pat, Megan, and myself. Good night. Good night. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be wrong. Or when it seems your friends desert you, Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.